Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. A little later in the show, we're going to talk with Tom Shaneth, owner of The Rooster Tail, about 50 years of throwing parties here in the city of Detroit. If you grew up here at any time during that 50 years, you know about parties at The Rooster Tail. You probably were at one or two. We'll also talk with Nathan Bomey, former journalist from the Detroit Free Press, uh, now with USA Today, about his new book, Detroit Resurrected, uh, looks back at Detroit's historic bankruptcy, what happened during that bankruptcy, and what path it put the city on going forward. But first, Ike McKinnon has been working in the city of Detroit Detroit for a really long time. He joined the Detroit Police Department in 1965 and became chief of police here in the 1990s. Now McKinnon is deputy mayor of Detroit and he's announced he's going to retire on July 1st of this year. Ike McKinnon joins me right now on Detroit Today. Welcome to the Thank show. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's good being here. Yeah, 1965. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, I, I know we've talked before about this, but uh, I know the listeners have not heard all of all of these stories. Talk about what that was like in 1965, an African-American man joining the Detroit Police Department. Really different, obviously, than it would have been today. It, it certainly was different. And I, I have to take back, go back a little bit to I had just been uh, uh, released from the, the military, uh, four years uh, in the, the Air Force. And just prior to that, uh, certainly I had seen a number of things with the uh, uh, within the neighborhoods in the Detroit Police Department. I had never ever had in contact with the Detroit Police uh, prior to that. But when I joined in, in 1965, my thoughts were that things were going to be certainly different than what I experienced. Yeah. And my first night uh, as a Detroit police officer was at the second precinct, which, which was at Vernon 20th. And I was on the midnight shift, and I walked in uh, thinking that things would be certainly different than what I experienced. <laughs> and I was the only African-American person on, on that midnight shift. There was probably about 25 or 30 officers there. And, of course, no one spoke to me. <laughs> it's, it's ironic, too, that one of the guys who was uh, there uh, I had gone to high school with at, at Cass Tech. Uh-huh. And so I spoke. He turned his back, and no one else spoke. And so then the supervisor comes up, kind of like what you see on TV. It's, uh, it's his roll call. And everybody lined up, and I, I lined up the last one since I'm the, the junior person there. And uh, they start calling out the assignment. So let's say two, one, two, two. You know, those are the, the scout cars you'll be working. Then they got got to scout two seven, and they they uh, announced this guy's name, and they said his name, and then they said McKenna scout two seven. I can't say on the radio what he said, but he swore and he said the racial epithet that we we hear so often. And uh, of course, uh, I'm I'm working with this person, and you know. Anyway, so now uh, you got to go get in a car with this yes. person and patrol the street. Absolutely. So uh, I let that go and and walked down to to the car where this guy was sitting, and I said, "Excuse me, am I working with you?" And he didn't say a word. Excuse me, am I working with you? So I went back to the supervisor and I said, "Sergeant, I said, am I working with this guy?" He says, "You're working with this person." So I went and sat in the car, and so for the next eight hours, I, I'm still waiting for him to say something to me, you yeah. know. And it was it was awful. It really was. And you you think about this in terms of if he's treating me this way, how's he treating the people in the city of Detroit? Yeah. And, and what was the what was the black presence on the force at that point? At that time, I think we had probably twenty five or thirty out of fifty five hundred uh, officers. Right. So almost nothing. I mean, less than one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In my as a young boy growing up here, and doing the, I, I think I saw one. A scout car with uh, black officers uh, doing all that time. 
Yeah, yeah. And so what made you want to be a police officer? I mean, I think that's really interesting that you grew up seeing the police uh, patrol your neighborhood. Uh, everybody knows who the police are and what they do. What was it about that that drew you, even though you couldn't, you, you couldn't see people who looked like you doing that work? In 1957, my first year of high school, I, uh, uh, the first day was a half day back in those days. So I went back to my uh, uh, junior high school, which was uh, uh, Garfield, and to see my favorite teacher of all times that I'm also in uh, contact with now, Mr. Raymond Hughes. He's 91 years old. So I went back to see him. And as I was leaving the school, I was uh, grabbed and thrown up against a car and beaten by what was that time called the Big Four. Right. I mean, the names and everything. And uh, they, they beat me because I was in the wrong place at the wrong time or the right place at the right time for them. And I'd never told anyone about that. I certainly didn't tell my parents because of what might happen to them. But I made a decision that evening I was going to become a police officer, a different kind of police officer than the one who beat me up. And uh, I, I held that in me. And so when I re, uh, uh, was released from the military, I joined the Detroit Police Department yeah. to be a different kind of person. To, than, to make yeah. a difference in, in the way the force dealt with people. Sure. Uh, so you, you do that. You are a police officer for a very long time here in the city of Detroit. And ultimately, Dennis Archer decides you should be chief of police. Talk about uh, how that how that felt when the, the mayor says to you, you know what, you're, you're my guy. I want you to run this department that you've been a part of for a long time, but that when you joined, African-Americans were barely a presence. Number one, I was shocked. I was pleased, too. And um, I, I had to have a conversation with my wife and my two sons about that. But I knew that, uh, obviously, uh, Dennis Archer had uh, confidence in me to do uh, what uh, I had to do on, on the department because there were some significant changes that had to be made. And um, I was pleased, but the, the reality is that for all those years that I was on the police department, I saw changes, but not enough to make a significant difference. I don't think in, in the city. Yeah, and and that that tenure as uh, as police chief, when you look back on it, what do you think of sort of what was accomplished? Certainly, uh, there was a tough time in the city. Uh, the, the the consent decree comes in sometime after that uh, because of the, the, the way that police officers were conducting homicide investigations, I think, is one of the big uh, one of the big things, the sort of drag netting they were doing. I think the most difficult thing was getting officers on the street. <clears throat> That's from uh, assignments from behind the desk. And also changing the perception, the reality of what was occur- occurring in the Detroit Police Department. It was most important to get to them to understand that you know we have to work for, for the people of the city of Detroit, that they don't work for us. And, and you know it's kind of like later on I did some diversity training, and I still saw that attitude not only in Detroit but in other places too in terms of uh, things that had to be changed for, from the the point of the, the police officers. You know, we, yeah. we, we serve, serve and protect the people of the city of Detroit. They don't serve and protect us. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Ike McKinnon, former police officer, former police chief, now deputy mayor of the city of Detroit. He says he is going to retire on July 1st of this year. Uh, talk about uh, that decision to leave. You're now the deputy mayor of Detroit uh, under under Mayor Mike Duggan. What, what says to you now is the time to move on. Well, Stephen, you know, I've been a professor at the University of Detroit Mercy for almost 20 years. And uh, when Mike asked me to um, become his deputy mayor, I uh, 
took a leave of absence. You get a two-year leave of absence. And so uh, <laughs> I, as I got closer to this, I said, okay, what am I going to do now? But I, I thought about really this. not really a leave if you don't come back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so they extended it for six months. And I really, truly enjoy uh, uh, that, and I enjoy being uh, a deputy mayor. But uh, I'll be 73 years old in June, too, you know. And I and I— there's a time to come back, go and, and, and make a difference someplace else. I, I think that uh, uh, I certainly have enjoyed what I've done, but I want to go. And, uh, and plus, I must tell you this. Uh, my wife has said uh, it's time to go, you know, and we want to travel. And uh, we have this wonderful uh, grand, uh, wonderful granddaughter who lives in California. Yeah. We want to spend more time with that, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that uh, in addition to going back to, to teaching, uh, you've been really involved in the Detroit 67 uh, Looking Back uh, project that uh, the Historical Museum uh, is is putting together. Uh, talk about your involvement with that. What is that? What is that? Well, mean? it's really interesting for me because you know we want to reflect back upon what happened, so hopefully it doesn't happen again. But I think to educate people as to uh, what occurred, you know, uh, young people don't know that 50 years ago this, this is what happened in our city, and how certainly violent it was and how destructive it was. And hopefully we can get people to understand so that it's certainly uh, it, we we educate, but it doesn't happen again for, for the people of the city of Detroit. Yeah. And and you have, I think, one of the more poignant 1967 stories that I've ever heard. Uh, talk about what happened to you. You, of course, joined, as we talked about, you joined the force here in 1965. Uh, 1967 comes and there's this uprising in the city. What 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 was that like for you? It, it was extremely difficult because as a person who grew up in the city and saw, you know, having almost two million people in our city, saw uh, the neighborhoods that we had and and the and the impact of the neighborhoods and to see things that were occurring as a young police officer, to see thousands and thousands of people. I laugh about it now because it seemed uh, surreal. And so, as a young officer, that. Um, that second night of the uh, the riots, um, I was driving home. I, I, I was proud of my, my first car, which was a 1965 uh, black over green Mustang convertible. And so I was driving home. I lived at 3265 West Boston. I remember that uh, so well. And I, I was on the, the uh, Lodge Freeway, came up at Chicago. I was in uniform, I should say, uh, distinctly with the badge. And you had two on your lapel, uh, that, which meant, uh, signified the precinct you run. So I made a left turn, and I should say also I had the, the, the rear window of my car uh, zipped out. And so as I pull up and make a left turn, get, get over, across the overpass, a car with two white police officers pulled me over. And I said, police officer, police officer, which they could see. And I stepped out of the car. As I stepped out, um, they uh, pulled their guns, and they said, uh, tonight you're going to die, nigga. And they started shooting at me. And uh, I uh, dove back in my car, and with my hand, I pushed the accelerator and sped away, uh, not looking up. But they, they shot at me multiple times. And I remember I got home, and uh, I called my sergeant. And uh, I said, Sarge, here's what happened. And his explanation was, you know, there's some bad uh, AHs uh, in every group that we have. We never were able to identify the guys. You know, we had 5,500 people at that time. But it was a, a, a significant emotional event, certainly in, in my lifetime. And and it talks about the way that the police were, some police, 
were behaving at that point, right? Uh, because of what was going on with the uprising, for some people, for some white cops, this was a license to do whatever you wanted to do. Absolutely. You know, I saw the bad in people who I assume were much better than that, uh, who would do something like that, certainly to me. And if they're doing that to me as a police officer, what are they going to do to other people? Right. And to have, what, 43, 44 people get killed in the city, uh, it was beyond one's imagination uh, to see those kinds of things and to drive through neighborhoods and shoot at cars and shoot at uh, at homes. I remember specifically riding with a, a group of uh, uh, officers and National Guardsmen, and we were on um, Boston Boulevard, and someone said, there's someone in the window, and that's all they said, and people started shooting at the, thank God there was no one that was hurt. Somebody came from the lower uh, floor, and they came outside, and they raised their hands, and they had done nothing. And so that's how tense it was and how uh, crazy and in reality it was in terms of people. And, of course, the narrative at the time and even uh, since has been that it was the people of Detroit and black people of Detroit who were causing most of the problem. In fact, the police were heavy contributors to the chaos. There, there's no question that certainly people were looting and rioting and things like that. But to me, and uh, it doesn't give uh, officers the right to shoot at people. I mean, I, I remember Mayor Daly saying that uh, shoot to kill. But that's not the right that we, we had here. To me, I would think that we would, uh, uh, if we had to lock people up, we would do that, but not to take someone's life. You know, As a law enforcement officer, the, the, the code goes, as a law enforcement officer, my fundamental duty is to serve mankind, to safeguard lives and property, to take the innocent against deception, the weak against oppression, intimidation, and respect the constitutional rights of all to liberty, equality, and justice. And that wasn't happening at that point. Yeah, it definitely got lost uh, at that point here in the city of Detroit. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Ike McKinnon, former police officer, former police chief, now deputy mayor of the city of Detroit. He is going to retire on July 1st. We're talking about uh, that 50-year public service career uh, that he's had here and how the city was then versus how it is now. Let's go to Harry in Sterling Heights. Harry, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, gentlemen. Great show. Thank you. Uh, Ike, on the lighter side, I remember when you were on the Dick Purton show (laughs) with the police tales and uh, your your partner there, your subordinate, uh, Greg Smolinski, was one of my best friends and you guys did a good job on the Purton shows. It was fun. Thank you, Harry. I I, I remember Smoe so uh, uh, so much, and I regret that he's not no longer here with us. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. But uh, Smoe was just as everybody called him Smoe instead of Smolinski. He's just a terrific <laughs> person. Thank you, Harry. Well, and and speaking of the sort of lighter side of police duty, I I seem to associate you with the Blue Pigs. <laughs> Is that, well, am I right about that? Scene yeah, in the Thanksgiving yeah. Day Parade. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would occasionally sing with them because that was the chief, <laughs> and I would I would say to them, you know, uh, uh, they have. T- Talent, I have title, and so <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's a great and so, phrase, right? And, and it worked because I was the boss, you know. <laughs> if I could sing or not, you know, right, right. Uh, those those uh, those memories of that kind of camaraderie, the kind of brotherhood that exists among among police officers, that's got to be pretty important. It's too. it's tremendous, and so I mean, we had the bad things, but we have some tremendous officers that I've known throughout the years. 
and and they are still friends of mine, whether it's, I'll mention specifically Bob Weber, who I went to high school with, and Frank Mitchell, who uh, who's, was, was one of my deputy chiefs. I've known him since the, the precinct. And the, the, the camaraderie that stays with uh, individuals is there forever. I mean, I was just uh, uh, with John Curry last uh, week, uh, who was one of my commanders. I mean, it goes on and on. So it, that stays. You have some bad people. You have some great people. Yeah. Uh, let's take one more call here. Ava. In Gross yes. Point Park, welcome to Good Detroit. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Uh-huh. Mr. McKinnon, thank you so much for your many years of uh, service to the city of Detroit, your honor and your integrity. Uh, I'm also a native Detroiter, and I love seeing what the city is becoming. My specific question is this. Um, we still have suburbs that are contiguous to the city of Detroit, and they refuse to hire people of color, black or brown. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I think that we were talking about educating people to understanding that whoever we are and wherever we're from, that we can uh, have a tremendous impact uh, on 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 that area. For instance, uh, back uh, X number of years ago, uh, it was very difficult for uh, uh, black people to get a job with the Detroit Police Department, get a job with the city. And so it was an educational process. I think people understanding that uh, we can all have a tremendous impact upon not only our, these communities, but th- throughout the United States. Yeah. Uh, Ava, thank you very much uh, for that call. You know, I'm curious what you make of modern-day struggles between police and community. And Ava sort of touches on that there with the, the idea of diversity in suburban districts or in Detroit itself. But but movements like Black Lives Matter, which really are about that that breakdown of the relationship between the African-American community and police. How does that, how does that play in your, in your mind? Steve, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because in my other life, when I go back to teaching at the University of Detroit Mercy, I'll also be doing some more uh, training. And I did a lot of diversity training. What I saw was there's two separate societies, as uh, the current uh, report, uh, report said in 1967, that there's a, a, a basically a white and black society. And in some of that diversity training, I saw um, officers who came into diversity training with a, a swastika on their shirt. And so it shows you so the, the mindset. So I think we have to do a, a better job of uh, the, those people who we recruit to to make sure we look at them and their background and, and what their intents were, are to, to join the police department. That's the ultimate of having a job where you can take someone's life. And we, we, we do that and we do a better job of training because what we've seen throughout the country are officers, in my opinion, who the first thing they do is shoot and the last thing they you know they should be talking i mean I, you still feel like there there's there's officers who do that oh there's no question there's no question I mean, what what i've seen what in, in certain locations i mean look get to know a community i mean we we have officers in detroit who uh, i i've seen who are great officers who are working, and the chief has done this. He's assigned officers to communities to get to know them better. If you get to know a community better, that's the last thing you'll do. And people within the community will respect you and will pass information on to you that uh, in, in other instances might not be the case. Yeah. 
Okay, Ike McKinnon, Deputy Mayor of the City of Detroit, former officer, former police chief. Uh, we will be sad to see you go on July 1st. Well, thank you. I re- really but appreciate you're not leaving. I'm not, well, not leaving. You're I'll, not I'll going be around. Far. That's oh. right. We know where to find you. <laughs> All right. You. Uh, congratulations, and thanks very much for being here. Thank you. All right, up next, the owners of the Rooster Tail in Detroit are throwing a really big bash to celebrate 50 years of parties over there. You remember them. I do, too. Tom Shaneth will be here in a minute to talk about it all. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.